Well, good morning, Grace Chapel, Watertown, Wilmington, Sanctuary Courtyard. Great to be together this morning. So the big day has finally arrived. People talking about it all year long, making predictions, wondering what's going to happen, what the big moments will be. I mean, what happens today is going to be talked about all year long, right? That's right. It's Pastor Brian's State of the Church Address. <laughs> See, I tricked you. You thought I was talking about Punxsutawney Phil, right? <laughs> or that other thing happening today. It's a funny thing, the way things work in church. You do something once, it's an experiment. Do it twice, it's a tradition. So last year, I thought it'd be a cool idea, the same week as the president delivered his State of the Union address, for me to deliver a State of the Church address. And now it's every year at this time, Pastor Brian. So... It's not a bad tradition anyway. It gives us a chance halfway through our ministry year to pause and celebrate what God has done and consider where He might be leading in the days to come. So that's what we'd like to do for a little bit this morning. Um, if you're a guest this morning, you should know that typically our messages are a little more personal, a little more biblically grounded than they, than they might be this morning. But you're going to get a pretty good sense of uh, who and what we are all about as a church. If, you're, if you call Grace Chapel home, I hope that you'll be enjoying these moments to praise God for what's happened so far, to celebrate that, but also to listen for his call on you and all of us as we look to the rest of the year. Now, the president's speech went 65 minutes long. He's got a few more things on his plate than I do, so I figure I can do it in about half that time, okay? So, now when President Obama stepped to the podium on Tuesday night, he faced a daunting challenge trying to rally and inspire the nation after one of his toughest years in office. A recently released poll revealed that two-thirds of the American people believe that our nation has been on the wrong track for the past 10 years. 10 years, a decade of declining hopes and diminishing horizons, spanning two administrations, Republican and Democratic. When Americans were asked to describe the State of the Union in one word, the most frequent responses were divided, broken, troubled, and deteriorated. Well, I'm happy to be speaking into a very different reality here at Grace. By God's grace, we are looking back over a year and years of remarkable growth and progress and, and unity and abundance. We are serving more people in more places, in more ways, with greater participation, and I think having more fun than we have in a long, long time. Grace has enjoyed a decade of rising hopes and expanding horizons. So that's the word I would like to use this year to describe the state of the church in 2014, rising. The state of the church is rising. Rising is a word we use to describe something that's increasing, swelling, emerging. Rising doesn't imply uh, uh, explosive growth or, or sudden impact. It describes steady growth and long-term possibilities. The sun rises. Bread rises. Hope rises. When something's rising, it's becoming what it was capable of becoming. And that's not only a good word to describe the church as we're experiencing it, it's actually a very biblical word 
to describe the church the way it was meant to be. Listen to these words of the Apostle Paul, written to the church in Ephesus. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Now, he's talking to Gentiles here, non-Jews, who had come to faith in Jesus Christ as the Messiah of Israel and Savior of the world. Now, up until this point, Gentiles had always been considered outsiders to the love and purpose of God. But now, Paul says, outsiders have become insiders through Christ. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And now he's describing this new community called the church as a building, a building that rests on the person and work of Jesus Christ. In him, the whole building rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Now, the temple he's talking about, of course, is that temple in Jerusalem, where for hundreds of years, generations, the, the presence of God was made manifest for the people of Israel. But now, God is going to be present through His body, the body of Christ, the church. And in Him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. So this temple is still being built. And as every believer finds his or her place in that building, it rises to become a temple in which God lives by His Spirit, the very presence of God in a time and a place. So I like that word rising to describe the church. And I think it applies to grace in 2014. So let me take a few minutes and tell you why. First looking back a little bit and then looking ahead. The first thing that comes back when comes to mind when we look back is uh, what's happened at the launch of the Watertown campus. Now, we just launched and opened that campus literally about three months ago. And already there are about 200 adults worshiping there. There's kids' town, there's youth groups, there are life communities, and there's a in growing presence they have in that community there. Uh, we held three Christmas Eve services, each of them well attended, as many folks tried the church for the very first town, time from the local community, and uh, they had their first Alpha course this past Monday night with 40 folks uh, attending that class. So we are so excited about this. That's good news. That's good news. So we're excited about this opportunity. It allows us to reach perhaps a, a more urban population and a part of the city that doesn't have a lot of strong, uh, strong churches. Uh, Pastor Robert Frazier from uh, Watertown was recently having coffee with uh, a, a young 20-something guy who's new to the church. Uh, this, this man had come to the States, emigrated to the States as a child with his family from Eastern Europe. Grew up in Boston and went to university here in Boston, but without any faith background or interest on his part. Got his first job in Chicago. A couple of co-workers shared their faith in Christ with him and kind of got him started on a spiritual journey. He got transferred to New York City, where he continued his journey, mostly watching television preachers for the most part. Recently, he's been transferred back to Boston, his hometown. He settled into Watertown, felt like it was time he should probably find some kind of a spiritual community, but he had no idea how to even begin doing that. He hops on an MBTA a bus one morning on his way to work and sees an advertisement for a new church opening up right in his own community, Grace Chapel, Watertown. Shows up for three Sundays in January and attends the first Alpha class on Monday night. 
As Pastor Robert puts it, God is doing some cool things in Watertown. Way to go, Watertown. So where a year ago, a small congregation was struggling to survive, now a thriving church is rising to bring the good news of Christ to that community. So that's Watertown, but things are on the rise in Wilmington as well. And about three years ago, that campus was launched, and it's now become a congregation of over 500 adults and a couple of hundred uh, children and teenagers every Sunday. And we added a 12:30 service this fall just to make room for, for newcomers and so that people could more easily invite friends and neighbors to come with them. Carved out a little more classroom space in that facility for children and also for an adult discipleship class. This past summer, uh, Wilmington had their first vacation Bible school, made contact with lots of uh, new households in the community, and uh, this fall they had a trunk or treat and had 300 folks coming out and, and uh, meeting the church there. Uh, Adam Rowe is our student ministry leader there, and along with his uh, wife Liz, and uh, they recently got to know a, a middle schooler who lives in their neighborhood. And when this... Uh, young girl began to experience some challenges in life, they invited her to come to church with them, which was a brand new thing for her. And this is what she says. At first, I was really scared about coming to church. And then when I went to youth group on Wednesday night, I connected with a ton of people. Everyone was really nice. I'm so glad I met Adam and Liz, or I never would have come to Grace. What a great expression. I never would have come to Grace. Aren't we glad God has raised up a presence in that community? Way to go, Wilmington. Yeah. Amen. And of course, here in Lexington, there's hardly a day goes by that something isn't happening somewhere on this campus to meet people at their point of need, to get them started on a spiritual journey to help them grow deeper in their faith, get connected to others in Christ, be empowered to go on mission to the world. Just walk your way through any given week. Celebrate recovery, joy Bible study, ESOL, men's Bible study, maps for seniors, family connection, mom to mom, fire, fusion, gravity, thermonuclear explosion. <laughs> Whatever we call our next ministry, I don't know, but... Way to go, Lexington. Way to go, Lexington. One of the most exciting developments of this past year has been the, the, the plug-in discipleship course that we got from our sister church in, uh, in Kenya. So, so far, about 300 folks have been through the plug-in experience. And this past fall, in November, we had kind of a celebration evening for the graduates and their families to kind of mark the moment. Turn your attention to the screen for a moment and just listen to what a few of the folks had to say about what plug-in has meant to them. The wonderful things about this plug-in is it just gives you the tools you need to run the race. I've been a Christian since uh, 1993 and I've been to all sorts of Christian things, but I've not been into something like this. Just in these past 10 weeks, I've seen a dramatic change in my, uh, life, my family life, my work life, and my life at church. Many consider that the Battle of Normandy was a major turning point in World War II. Plug-in was my major, my major turning point. All 10 weeks, I have found myself closer to God than ever before in my life. I 
did have the privilege of helping out with the men's plug-in course. Uh, when I think back on the course, I guess what stood out for me the most was how quickly the men just bonded and built relationships. There was a lot of authenticity um, and honesty. The genius of it is that it's good for everyone. Whether you're new in the Lord or have been a Christian for a long time, it meets you where you are. It was just powerful to be a part of something that wasn't a Wilmington thing, wasn't a Lexington thing. It was a Grace Chapel movement. What happens when a lot of people at Grace Chapel have already taken the plug-in course? What happens after that? When 3,000 people at Grace Chapel have taken plug-in, come and ask me that question then. The joy of running this race is that you get the joy and fulfillment of a purpose-filled life plugged into God, His people, and your purpose in life. It's the most fulfilling way to live your life. This could just be the beginning of something really wonderful. The spiritual vitality of Grace Chapel rises with every person who experiences plug-in. If you are new in your following of Jesus Christ, if you are stalled or stagnant in your Christian faith, if you're a leader and you're looking to be refreshed and re-energized for ministry, we encourage you to jump into plug-in. There's new courses beginning in Lexington and Wilmington this week, so you can find out more information online. Every Sunday, praise rises from three locations, eight services, 4,000 plus men, women, and children who gather to worship, serve, grow, and connect in Christ. And what's just as exciting, every Monday morning, those same 4,000 people scatter all over greater Boston to their homes and communities and workplaces and schools to live and work on mission for Christ. It has been so exciting to hear people begin to use the on-mission language as they think about aligning their daily life with God's heart. We're learning to rise from our comfortable seats and the safety of our small groups and go out and become a go-and-do kind of a church. So all of this, all of this is from God. It's by His Spirit it's grounded in Christ. It's all about Him. But understand, in a very practical way, all of this has been made possible because you, the Grace Chapel congregation, have given faithfully and generously to God's work this past year. If you've been following our monthly financial updates, you'll see that month by month, we have been just about on target with our giving. And that's been a great, great uh, thing for us. It's meant that we haven't had to press the congregation to catch up along the way. I'm sure you've been grateful for that. But on the staff and leadership side, it's been so wonderful empowering to, to know that we have the resources to meet needs and respond to opportunities and, and do what God has put on our hearts. The, the only reason we were able to move so quickly on Watertown was because the financial resources were there to act on that opportunity when it came along. And on top of all that giving to the General and the Missions Fund, we were able this fall to give over $50,000 to Syrian refugee relief and another $90,000 to Philippine relief and redevelopment. Listen to what Paul says to the Corinthian church in response to their giving. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. 
because of the service by which you have proved yourself, people will praise God for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Think of how many prayers of gratitude and wonder and joy have risen from people's hearts all over the world because of gifts you have given in faith and generosity. It's a wonderful thing. So he'll begin to see why I've chosen that word to describe the state of Grace Chapel in 2014. By God's goodness and grace, we're rising to become all that he would have us to be. But at this halfway mark of the year, we certainly don't want to start coasting. Surely don't want to limit what God might want to do. So where might God be leading in the second half of the year? Speaking of second halves, there's a football game happening this afternoon, <laughs> this evening. And during the halftime of that game, while Bruno Mars is singing and you're running off to make another batch of nachos, the Broncos and the Seahawks are going to be in the locker room making adjustments for the second half identifying and shoring up their meeting their challenges and, and also exploiting opportunities. So what challenges and opportunities might we want to address in this second half of the year? Well, let me offer three. The first one falls into the opportunity category. Uh, by now, you probably know that we believe God has led us as a church to continue uh, giving us a long-term vision for launching new Grace Chapel locations across greater Boston as He gives opportunity. We have found that it's not only a, a, an, a, an effective way to reach new people with the good news of Christ in a new location, it's also a, a wonderful way to grow people in their faith and deploy them for ministry and for leadership. And so we're, we have a team that's constantly praying about, looking for, considering what the next opportunity might be. Well, recently, uh, a unique opportunity has come our way that we think has great possibilities for the future, and more importantly, we believe it is of God. Many of you know that Lexington Christian Academy, a uh, private Christian school, is just about three miles down the road for us, right about on the border of, uh, of Lexington and Arlington. Last spring, uh, LCA completed an addition to their campus. They built a, a wonderful state-of-the-art worship and fine arts center that seats 400 people in a wonderful, comfortable, and beautiful facility. It's got convenient access right off of Route 2A and plenty of on-site parking. <laughs> if you worship regularly here in Lexington, you know that most Sundays today were about 80% full even with the, the courtyard available to us. So that makes it difficult for newcomers always to find a comfortable seat. It makes it difficult for us to bring and invite friends sometimes. And of course, there's always a parking challenge. When we got out the map, we discovered that a couple of hundred current Grace Chapel households drive right through East Lexington on their way to Grace Chapel in Lexington. They come from Medford and Arlington and other towns to the south and the east. We also know that similar churches around the country have found great effectiveness putting a new location nearby another larger location. So all this to say that after exploring, thinking, talking, and praying about this, we believe that uh, the time is right to open an East Lexington location of Grace Chapel right on the LCA campus. 
Now, this location is going to be a little different from Wilmington and Watertown because we'll only have that facility on Sunday morning. But there are some unique things about this that I think are intriguing and even attractive to certain kinds of people. Let me share three of them. First, a local presence. One of the things that's so effective about our locations is the local flavor. New Englanders like to worship where they live. And it's a whole lot easier to invite friends with you when you're inviting them to a church in their town or just one town away. East Lexington is a distinct community, and as we said, it draws on a variety of communities to the south and the east. Hundreds of people can save 10 or 15 minutes off their drive and find easy parking and a comfortable seat in a state-of-the-art facility. Secondly, family style. Now, this doesn't mean it's only for families. What it means is that in East Lexington, worship, community, fellowship, service will happen together. See, when we, do, when we say that uh, people are going to eat family style, what does that mean? It means everybody's reaching across the table, right? Reaching across the generations, reaching across the boundaries and the groupings. Young, old, married, single, guests, family, friends, neighbors, in-laws, anyone who's there, everyone's at the table is part of the family. And of course, we know that the church is described in the scriptures as the family of God, members of God's household, Paul said. So that's the approach we're going to take to worship and ministry on, at the East Lexington location. Things will be done together, intergenerationally, worship and service and those kinds of things. So it could be that you as a family place a great value on being able to worship together through a whole service. Maybe as a single person or a mature adult, you'd like more opportunities to connect with children and young people and families. And that's the kind of atmosphere we'd like to see happen uh, there in East Lexington. In fact, we've already invited some teenagers to actually serve on the leadership team there in East Lexington. Thirdly, missional community. Since there's not going to be a lot of space for on-campus programs, much of the life and activity of this church will happen outside the walls. It'll be a go-and-do kind of a congregation, serving the local community in a variety of ways and building relationships with regional partners around the city. Now, there'll still be life communities. All the midweek programs here at Grace Lexington will still be available to folks on that campus, but for the most part, it will be a go-and-do kind of a congregation. So all this to say that this East Lexington location allows us an opportunity to explore some new ways of being the church, of, of doing ministry, of being the family of God. So we're excited that uh, we have asked uh, Pastor Dana Baker to provide leadership to this new campus location. She has a great heart for uh, uh, the go-and-do side of ministry. For She's been leading our missional partnerships for a long time. She has strong pastoral and leadership gifts, and she lives over on that side of town. So really, really thrilled that uh, Dana can provide some leadership there. So we are still in the ramping up stage. We have nearly 30 people who have signed on for the leadership team. We're praying for 100 or 150 more folks who will be part of a core group to get those things, get that thing started. So if 
if you're intrigued by this idea, if you live on that side of town, if you're looking to be part of something new and innovative, if you're feeling a little stifled and stuck and you feel like it's time to be stretched, we invite you to a couple dessert receptions we're going to be having where you can just learn more, ask questions. So we'll be doing that over the course of the next few weeks. You can go online uh, to grace.org slash something East Lexington. You'll find it and uh, <laughs> you can get more information. We don't have a firm date for launching yet. Um, but we're excited about uh, where this might lead and the idea of, a, of, a, of another church rising up here in greater Boston. So these next two fall under the category of challenges to address. Uh, you've probably heard that the millennial generation, 18 to 32-year-olds, is the largest generation in American history. Boomers, we have been usurped, okay? The largest generation in American history. You may also have heard that the millennials are leaving the church in record numbers. And many are not finding their way back. So we're concerned about that here at Grace. Now, we're grateful for the thriving student ministry we have to middle school and high school fusion and gravity. We're thrilled about our young adult ministry fire on Thursday nights. In fact, if the campus has seemed just a little bit subdued and quiet uh, today, it's because about 250 of our kids and their leaders are away on their winter retreat this weekend up at Camp Brookwood. So they sent us some greetings so they could know we're thinking of them and they are thinking of us right now this morning. But we know that many in that population and many folks living in our surrounding communities are no longer connecting with church as many of us have traditionally experienced it. So we've been having some conversations about what this means for us engaging the next generation for Christ. One of the things it means is that we'd like to make some changes to this 11 o'clock service to make it a little more engaging, a little more meaningful for younger people and for folks who are not used to kind of traditional church life. So the music at 11 o'clock is going to be a little bit more on the contemporary side, perhaps, than it has been. Now, there are still a few hymns of the faith that I think we're going to be singing 100 years from now. So we will still do some of those here at 11. But for the most part, the music will be more on the contemporary side. Uh, we may rearrange the order a little bit of the worship service just to kind of make it different. In fact, in the month of February, beginning next week, we're going to move the message up a little bit earlier in the service so we have a little more time after for responding to the message. So the service won't be longer, just rearranged a little bit. So don't be late next week, all right, <laughs> at 11 o'clock. The atmosphere, we hope, will be a little bit more relaxed. The way we talk, the way we lead the service, the way we dress. I may go crazy and untuck my shirt. Um, <laughs> no skinny jeans, I promise, okay? I won't do that. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks. Uh, but we'd also, we'd like to see younger people involved in the life of the service. Musicians, vocalists, reading from the platform, but also serving on tech teams, ushering, greeting, serving in a variety of ways. We'd love to see more of that at 11 o'clock. And we have asked uh, Pastor Dave Ripper, our pastor of Young Adult Ministries, to kind of bring some regular leadership and hosting to that 11 o'clock service. So he'll begin to kind of lead that service on a regular basis to work with Pastor Robert in designing the service and leading the worship and helping it connect more effectively with that next generation. So another thing we know about uh, millennials is that they have a passion for social justice. And they want the church to lead the way. 
That's one of the reasons we uh, agreed to host uh, uh, a satellite location of the Justice Conference uh, happening in the month of February. It's been happening in L.A., as you heard, but we're going to be a simulcast location for all of greater Boston and uh, just a way of engaging folks who are passionate about that, including millennials. Understand, this is not just about hanging on to our kids so they don't get away. This is about engaging and empowering the next generation of Christ followers. Not, not just to come to church, but to be the church, to shape the church, to lead the church into the world in which we now live. The church can't rise if we leave a whole generation behind. So we'll be thinking more about this, but this is, these are a few of the steps we'd like to be taking. The third thing we'd like to address in this second half of the year is the unresolved issue of women serving as elders at Grace Chapel. Now, if you've been around here for any length of time, you know that women serve in a variety of leadership roles here at Grace. Women preach, women lead, women teach. We ordain women for gospel ministry. But in a strange kind of anomaly, our Constitution does not allow women to serve as elders. So the elders, the pastoral staff, we believe that this restriction deprives us of gifted leadership for our church. We believe it discourages women from fully answering God's call on their lives. It undermines our witness in the world. But most importantly, it fails to fulfill the biblical call to equality and maturity in Christ. So we believe it's time to take a fresh look at that question as a congregation. Understand, this is not about keeping up with the culture. This is about leading the culture. This is about showing the world what God had in mind when He created man and woman equally in His image, when He commissioned man and woman equally to be about His work in the world. Now, we understand that this is a debatable issue among God's people. There are folks on all sides of the question who are biblically-minded, godly in character, sincere Christ followers, and so we want to create some space for a very respectful, thoughtful, gracious conversation over the course of these, ne these next few months. We'll do some teaching on it. We'll have some classes, some discussion opportunities, present some resources to you. We don't have a particular timetable for this. At a certain point, we'd like to vote on it as a congregation. Uh, we may do that in June at the annual meeting. We may do it later. We'll see how the Lord leads on it. But I'm glad. I'm looking forward to a thoughtful, gracious conversation and journey as we ask God to lead us forward as a church on this particular question. So those are three things we're going to be thinking about, focusing on as we look to the month and even the years ahead, launching an East Lexington location, engaging and empowering the next generation, and uh, then uh, considering again the question of women serving as elders. Now, if you've been following the State of, Union, State of the Union speech for any length of time, you know it's common for the president to have some people in the audience that represent some positive aspects of church life. So we actually have one of those here this morning. We've invited someone from the Watertown campus to come and just give us a glimpse of what God is doing there. So as we finish up, can we ask uh, welcome Brian McDonald as he comes to talk to us a little bit? Thanks for being with us, Brian. I know you've kind of been around a while here at Grace, but why don't you just introduce yourself, your family, to folks, and tell them about your time here at Grace. Uh, sure. My name is Brian. Uh, I've been coming to Grace for over 20 years. Um, 
My wife, Tara, has been coming here with me for uh, almost as long. We've got two kids, Joseph and Hannah. Joseph's 13, Hannah's 12. Um, and uh, we've, uh, up until about three months ago, we've, we've been consistent uh, attenders here at Grace. Okay. And so you've been part of the Watertown uh, launch. As I understand, you kind of got called to that in a rather surprising way. Can you just quickly tell us how that happened? Yes. Um, I did not want to go to Watertown. <laughs> um, if there's anybody here that's, you know, hearing this about East Lexington and you're sitting there crossing your arms saying, I'm not going to East Lexington, that was me. Um, it was, uh, I did pray about it. I was asked to pray about it, and I did. Um, I joked I felt like Jonah in, in Nineveh. I, I didn't want to go. Um, however, God did speak to me pretty clearly. He placed me and my wife one morning uh, in the section of the leadership team that was being commissioned to go to Watertown, unbeknownst to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up here on the stage being commissioned, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> so me meanwhile, Richard, Richard Rose is out in the congregation saying, oh, wonderful, Brian and Tara said yes. So, <laughs> oh, great. Uh, God, tell us, God gets what he wants. Yes, he does, yes. <laughs> tell us, you know, we hear about Watertown. We're thrilled for what's going on there, but we don't get to see it. Just tell us what you see God doing there. Uh, it, it's been wonderful. Um, as reluctant as I was, it's, it's been a really exciting experience for me and my, and my whole family. Um, personally, it's been great because I've been able to bring a lot of people to church that um, surprisingly wouldn't drive 15 minutes to check out Lexington. Uh, it didn't seem like a big deal to us, but uh, there are a lot of people in our community that just, you know, they like the, the local flavor of a church. So we've been very fortunate in that we could bring some friends to come, you know, experience what, what we love. Uh, and that's, that's been true for your kids as well, you mentioned, right? Yes. Uh, my kids, my daughter in particular, who's, if any of you know Hannah, she's extremely social. Um, she has, for a long time, been trying to get her friends to come to different events and activities uh, here in Lexington. And, and a few have, uh, most haven't. But in Watertown, I don't think there's a single friend that uh, she hasn't brought to, to some event. Mm -hmm. So it, it's been a, an excellent opportunity for outreach, and I've been able to watch you know, my kids grow spiritually great, there as great. well. And then I understand you had a group at uh, the Alpha Group this past, this past Monday night. Yes, yeah. Uh, it's a requirement of my staff to come attend Alpha. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. Living on mission at work. Yeah, yes, yeah. very good. Okay. Well, can we thank Brian for just uh, giving us a glimpse? Thank you. So we're obviously excited about all these things. There's a word that shows up a lot in State of the Union speeches that you haven't heard too often in this particular message, and that's the word, I. It's the nature of presidents to have to assert their authority, their agenda, when they're speaking to their constituency, so to speak. That's not the way things work in the church. It's certainly not the way things work here at Grace. As I think you all know, I am happy, humbled, and honored to be serving this wonderful church. But I don't think for one minute that all of this is about me. It's not about our elders. It's not about our staff. It is, first of all, about Him. God has done all of this in our midst. And it is a wonderful thing. So we continue to look to Him and trust Him. It is also about we 
We, the people of Grace Chapel, answering God's call and becoming the people in the church He would have us to be. And it is also about you, about you finding your place. Paul said, in Him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling. So as eager as God is for His church to rise, He wants you to rise as well, to rise to the next challenge, to rise in answering His call, to rise to greater heights of relationship with Him. So as we think together about the months and the years to come, you might be asking, Lord, what would you have me to do or to be in the days to come for your glory at Grace and beyond? Let's pray for a moment. We're grateful, Lord, for an opportunity to pause in the midst of a full and active year to remind ourselves of all that we have been blessed to experience and to witness as a church. It is more than we could have asked for or imagined, truly. And so with humility and gratitude, we thank you for all of it. Lord, it is our sincere desire that we would continue to be available to you, responding to your call on our lives individually and collectively. We don't want to miss out on anything you might want to do in, through, and around us. So lead us into the future. Begin that process today, even now as we gather for these next few minutes around your table. May you speak into our lives individually and collectively. In Jesus' name, amen.